Hey, this is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast. Season 9, episode 11. I'm John DiCarlo, the editor of OwlScoop.com. Declan Landis is with me today. No Kyle, no Rymir, no Johnny. They all uh, gave us a resounding no. Yeah, it was kind of rude, actually. Yeah. Oh, well. We still love them. It'll just be just be the two of us today, so hopefully you can put up with us and, and don't miss the other guys too much. We do have uh, a lot of good basketball stuff for you guys today, along with uh, a little bit of football conversation, Temple's on a bye week, and uh, they sure could use the time off to work on a lot of stuff, get healthy, coming off that really, really ugly game. Uh, 55 nothing lost to SMU. But again, it's going to be more of a basketball-heavy podcast. This week, we have some clips from you. Temple hosted its Men's Basketball Media Day Thursday afternoon. Declan and I are recording this on Thursday, so you might be hearing it Friday morning. But uh, Men's Basketball Media Day took place on Thursday, so we've got some clips from Jaleel White, Matteo Piccarelli, and then you're going to hear the first part of my interview with Cameron Winner. I talked about that last week. He's the special assistant to the head coach for Adam Fisher, so... That's a 25-minute conversation or so that I have with him. But on this podcast, you'll hear the first 10 or 11 minutes or so, and then you'll hear the rest of it if you are an Alscoop.com subscriber. So, again, great time to subscribe with basketball season coming up. But, again, more of a basketball-heavy pod this week, and I think everybody will be happy with that, right? You can use the break from football. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of basketball season, so it'll be – I'm really looking forward to this podcast year. is not about you, though, Declan. I know, but you... It's for our listeners. Did you not just say, you need a little bit of break and then look at me? Is that not what that interaction just was? No, you misread that. Okay. Not everything's well, about you. Well... I still love you, though. You know, it's wishful thinking. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, the Scoop, as always, is brought to you guys by Greenspan and Greenspan Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured while on the road or the highway and the crash was someone else's fault, the insurance company is not going to be on your side. You need us, Temple Law Grads, who will fight hard to get the compensation that you deserve. We only get paid if we win, so in Pennsylvania or New York, call us today at 215-261-7359. That's 215-261-7359. And you can find them on the web at greenspans-law.com. That's greenspans-law.com. Famous number 11s. Uh, Jimmy Rollins. And that's your that's your bit now, right? You just have one, and you're not going to Well, now I actually it. have another one today. Okay. Uh, it's NASCAR, though, so I don't know how much you really want it. But you can tell me. I don't. I'm not. It's really uh, Denny it. Hamlin. That's my other one. I, I for the life of me, I was thinking on the way over here. I can't think of a single other one. Like this, not the bit. I just do not have another one. I wouldn't know Denny Hamlin if he walked in here right now. I wouldn't either. I know his car though. It's the purple FedEx yeah. car. To our loyal NASCAR listeners out there, Declan, I've you got your him, back. You him, yeah, you, you owe him a bit of thanks for keeping you engaged. <laughs> no, Isaiah. Well, Isaiah Thomas isn't really your generation. No, it's. Definitely not. Jeez, it wasn't back like in the 40s or anything <laughs> like that. Sorry. Isaiah Thomas wore number 11. You don't know any other number 11s? Off the top of my head? Uh, no. Was it? What? Larry Fitzgerald? Oh, yeah. Julio Jones wasn't 11, right? Yeah, he was. Oh, they, he see, was. there you go. Um, Are you sure you're not cheating? You just looked at that? My phone's right here. Screen's off. I'm looking at the audio right now on my laptop. Um, 
someone who's controversial. A lot of lot of people that are controversial, my friend. An NBA player who is very, very controversial. Kyrie? Yeah. Kyrie. Uh, I'm trying to A guy to think who of... no, it's it's quiz time. A Wonderful. guy who played was a very successful wide receiver in the NFL, but he played quarterback for a Mac program. Oh, uh, Julian Edelman. There we go. I'm going to try a couple more here. Uh, one guy in the NBA who terrorized the Sixers a couple years ago when they blew the Hawks series. Trey Young? Yep. Trey Young's number 11? He wore number 11 at some point. That yeah. feels like a weird number for him to wear. I don't know why. Uh, I'm going to give you one or two more here. I don't picture number 11 as a basketball number. Oh, I mean, it is. I don't know what the. <laughs> no, I know it is. I know. I just like I can't. Uh, quarterback who had a like a devastating knee injury that he was able to come back from. Alex Smith. Yep. A quarterback, a former NFL quarterback whose son played briefly in the NFL and just gives annoying, annoying takes one week. Oh, after the uh, next. Phil Simms. Yes. I should have known. You should known that as a I Giants fan. Known that one. That's before my time as well. Failed the the Giants fan base. That's okay. Uh, another right. sharpshooter in the NBA was hurt for a while. Um, taller guy. Taller guy. Sharpshooter. In his early 30s now. Plays on the West Coast. Clay Thompson. Yes. Okay. Clay. Okay. All right. One more. Okay. One more. Retired NBA player from China. Big man. Uh, Yao Ming. Yeah. There we go. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Didn't get a single one wrong. That's pretty good. Yeah. But I, I had to prompt you, though. Yeah, but you didn't give any. True. I was going <laughs> to go with, I mean, if I, off the top of my head, I would have gone with Isaiah Thomas, Julio Jones. There's another number 11 who's a very forgettable number 11 for Philadelphia fans. Forgettable? What sport? He went from, so we talk about, when it comes to Philadelphia sports, yeah, they went on an unfortunate run. Well, let's not even get into the Phillies, but <laughs> they went on an unfortunate run of seeing three athletes that came in with such high hopes, and then they just really, really bottomed out. You have Markel Fultz. Yeah. You have Ben Simmons. Mm -hmm. And then who else am I thinking of in a different sport who wore number 11? Out of football right now. Oh, geez. Carson Wentz. Yeah. Duh. Yep. The first, when you started saying that, I was thinking Michael Carter Williams, but I no. knew in my head that he wasn't number 11. Yeah. Unless he is. No. And, and he was never built up to be like the. Oh the yeah, guy he that was would, like, for a little bit there. So, no, I, yes, he was a first round draft pick, but he was never, I think, looked upon as this guy who was like really going to like save the franchise. No, no. He was a facilitator. But he was supposed guard. to be a little better than he was. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Anyway, a lot of number 11 material there. It's good. Good number Thank 11 you. talk. Good quiz. Good, good quiz. Good quiz. Well done. Hey, hey. Yeah. Props to you. Props <laughs> to you. <laughs> um, anyway, like we said, we, we promised you guys a lot of basketball content for you on this week's podcast. Temple, again, hosted its men's basketball media day earlier today. Tonight, again, Declan and I are recording this late Thursday afternoon. Cherry and White Night is tonight at the Leah Chorus Center. So both the, the men's and women's teams will be there at the Leah Chorus Center. Then Temple is going to tip off its season Monday, November 6th against Maryland Eastern Shore. Again, if you will if you listen to the full audio from today or watch the video, 
Yeah, you'll hear Adam Fisher talking about, and I asked him about this a couple of weeks ago when I talked to him about, you'd never think of Maryland Eastern Shore as a revenge game, but here's Temple trying to get revenge against a team that it was not supposed to lose to right? and lost to last season. So they're opening the season against Maryland Eastern Shore Monday, November 6th. So the season really is coming up quick in less than a month and a couple of weeks. So I wanted to play a couple of clips for you here. Again, we'll have the full video that you can watch of Adam Fisher's session up on the up on the site. All right, the first clip you're going to hear is from Jaleel White. It was Jaleel White, Heister Miller, Sam Hoffman, Steve Settle, and Matteo Piccarelli. So five players that we got today. This clip uh, of Jaleel, I asked him, you know, one of the rule changes that's, that's taking place this year is this change to legal guarding position, meaning that, you know, that the charge calls are not going to be as liberal anymore. The defenders are really going to need to be in position to take a charge by the time the offensive player plants a foot to go to attempt to get the ball in the bucket. So, you know, as much as Adam Fisher has talked about wanting to push the pace and shoot threes, which I think he'll do, he also could be in a position, like a lot of other coaches in America now, saying, hey, we want to be good at driving the ball to the rim. And that could benefit a guy like like Jaleel, who obviously struggled shooting the three ball last year. He said he's a lot more confident in shooting it now, but a guy with good size, it's about six seven close to six eight a guy that can play a lot of positions on the floor but sometimes he's been at his most comfortable on the floor when he's getting to the rim and i asked him about whether or not that that rule change would benefit him and he said yeah you know he said a lot of you'll hear him say here in a second i feel like some of the fouls i picked up last year were charging fouls and so this is something that i asked him about earlier today so here's jaleel white talking about that rule change and how it could benefit him well, I haven't played a game yet with the new charge rules, but I would assume that it would really benefit it. I mean, a lot of my fouls came from offensive charges last year, so I feel like it will really benefit my game. All right, and then in talking to Matteo Piccarelli today, a lot of you, if you're, if you're a Temple basketball fan, you know by now he's the transfer from UMBC, very good three-point shooter. And in the past, Adam Fisher has talked to me about some of the other things he does well other than shooting the ball. Uh, like I, I said to him in the question, anybody can watch you for – you know, two or three minutes and know that you can shoot the hell out of the ball. But, you know, Adam Fisher's talked about some of the other things you do in terms of spacing, how to work to get your shot, your footwork and stuff like that. So here's Matteo Piccarelli talking about that part of his game. Yeah, I think, I think um, some of it's the mental side, just knowing when to move, you know, not being the most athletic guy, not having great length. You know, I need to, um, to get my shot off. I need to get the spots before guys. I need to move. Um, when guys don't expect me to, and um, that's something I work on, like watching film, uh, you know, working with Khalif and uh, Cam Winter, guys that have played at the highest level in college, um, kind of asking them what they used to do, that, that's helped me a lot. Um, yeah, the passing is something um, that not many people maybe know, um, but I, I think I have a good court vision, and again, in drills, working on you know, making a pass and running out and shooting, you know, kind of working on all that stuff and other aspects of my game that are not just, you know, catch and shoot. Like in my workouts, there's very little just catch and shoot. There's a lot of movement, a lot of uh, working off actions. So, yeah. All right. So you can watch the full session of Temple's Media Day from earlier today. Again, Adam Fisher, Jaleel White, Heiser Miller, Matteo Piccarelli, Steve Settle, and Sam Hoffman. So we also said at the outside of the pod, that you'd be hearing the first part of my interview with Cameron Winter. Cam is the special assistant to the head coach on Adam Fisher's staff. 
and he was one of the key players that helped Penn State get to the NCAA tournament last year, had played at Drexel. He and Adam really sort of became tight during their time at Penn State last season. And if you go back and listen to the longer interview that I did with Adam over the summer, he talked about how Cam just kind of really started to shadow him and talked to him a lot and wanted to get into coaching. And really, Fish really talked to him about playing overseas and saying, you could get an agent. You really could play over there. You've got a chance to play over there. I want you to be really, really sure that you want to do this. And I talked to Cam in the first part of this conversation that you'll hear about like his decision-making process. Because I think he was good enough. I mean, he wasn't an NBA-level player, but a really solid guard in, in, you know, in the Big Ten. So I talked to him about why he's at Temple now, why he wanted to work for Adam Fisher. So you'll hear in the first part of the conversation here about how this all came together, what a typical day looks like for him, and much more. So again, it's just the first 10 or 11 minutes or so of a 25 minute long conversation. So again, Al Scoop subscribers will have access to the whole thing, just as you did with the Steve Settle interview last week in case you missed it. So again, great time to subscribe to the site. We'll have a lot of basketball content coming up, got some football recruiting content coming up as well. So here's the first part of my conversation with Cameron Winner, and we'll have more for you again on the other side. One of the things that Adam Fisher told me was, I guess the first time I really got to sit down and talk to him, he talked about how excited he was to add you to the staff. And I think he told me that he told you, like, hey, I think you could go overseas and play for a few years. I know you have the talent to do it. And I think he said that you said to him, no, I know I want to coach. And I think he said, I'll check back with you and I'll check back with you. Um, And obviously, again, you had a great career. Drexel, Penn State, you were one of the main reasons that they got to the tournament last year. What made you so sure in your mind that you were ready for this this spot in your career because yeah I'm sure you could have ended up overseas and I've uh, been doing that for however long what made you so strong in your mind like no I want to stay here and just get my start on coaching right now uh I think I you know known for a little while that I wanted to be a coach and uh with coach Fish getting the job I knew it was kind of like the perfect opportunity for me uh kind of the relationship that me and him have built over just the past year uh was special to me uh, and I know it was special to him so just having that opportunity to learn from someone like him Uh, made the decision of going overseas a little harder. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, I would say I just kind of had to make a a little bit of a grown man's decision Mm -hmm. um, and just do what I felt was best for me. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I I just made the right move for me. Uh, I'm I'm confident in the move I made. Um, Did you have have offers where you could have gone over there and played? Yeah, I I spoke to a couple agents uh, kind of during that time where uh, I would – Fish would call me, uh, tell me to think about it, and I was talking to a couple agents about going overseas, uh, maybe even getting uh, in the G League or something, you know, trying to get me a summer league deal. But I kind of just thought that it was just the right time for me. Mm-hmm. What was it about? Why, why did the two of you click? I mean, obviously you made a huge impact at Penn State, and obviously you guys had to have had a, a close relationship there, and it was cool to see what you guys did last year. What is it about the two of you guys that just clicks where you guys just became close? Uh, I feel like throughout my time at Penn State, uh, Fish was kind of just a guy that I could talk to, uh, whether it was on the court problems or off the court problems, something I was going through. Uh, he was kind of just a little bit of like the outlet that I had mm-hmm. other than my teammates or someone that I can go in and talk to and like kind of just seek advice from, uh, not always in like a coach's mindset. Um, he kind of talked to me as if uh, like I was a little bit equal to him and mm-hmm that kind of made me feel a certain way about him. And just throughout the year, we kind of grew on that. And he helped me the whole year. So uh, I think that really helped our relationship. How does he balance that out? And now you're part of it. You're part of the staff. You're, you're removed. You're 
basically like in the same spot as some of these guys. And a lot of the guys have told me like, it's really fun building the bean. It's really positive. How does he balance it out? How do you balance it out? Like in coaching today's athlete, like a lot of guys will tell me you can't coach kids the way you did back in the late nineties, early two thousands. How do you keep it positive, but also make sure that even the nicest people in the world, I, I teach too. And like some of the nicest people in the world can take advantage of you if you're not on them enough. How do you balance that out? If you had to talk somebody through like being positive, but also being firm and strict when you need to. Uh, I think it kind of goes into a little bit of a respect standpoint, which uh, I think Coach Fisher is really good at that. Um, having enough respect for his players where he doesn't like degrade them, but mm -hmm. them having enough respect for him that they're going to play as hard as they can for him and do everything that uh, he asks of them. Uh, in return, he's going to treat you like you should be treated. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's like just the biggest thing that I've learned from being on both sides is kind of how to balance that, uh, just expecting the most out of your players, but also giving them confidence and making it a positive place for them to work because nobody wants to come in to something every day and they just don't like it. Mm -hmm. uh, you're obviously not going to get the best out of that person. So I think he does a really good job of having that balance. Um, and I mean, it, it is tough. It's tough. Mm -hmm. so. You have – you put, you know, kind of on the court, off the court, you have a resume of showing – you know, you guys have a, an intriguing roster where you have a lot of transfers, whether it's Steve Settle, Jordan Riley, Matteo Piccarelli, Quante Berry. You were good at Drexel, go to Penn State. And again, you're one of the reasons why they got to the tournament last year. Do you think it helps that the guys can look at what you did and say, okay, like he was a piece that helped get this program back to where it's wanted to be in a while. Like, is that kind of, do they pay attention to that? And is that something that you kind of try to preach to them having gone through with those guys, like you've gone through that transition? Yeah, I mean, whenever any of them ask for my advice, um, I kind of just tell them straight up, like, my experiences and how that helped me. Um, obviously, it's not always easy being a transfer, um, especially when you're walking into a situation where guys have been here and guys have experience at the school. Um, but just being able to fit in and being coachable and uh, just being a good teammate, um, I feel like if you start with that, that kind of just helps you build off of success. Um, just being about the team, um, I think that was the biggest kind of thing between Drexel and Penn State was when I walked into Penn State, uh, it was it was about the team. Like, I had to be really about the team and do what's best for, like, for the team to succeed. Um, so I kind of just putting that on the players here um, has been, like, a big thing. Just do whatever you have to do to be the best for the team and not yourself. Your time at Drexel, I mean, you were on the team that got them, that went back to the tournament, right? What was that like? Because that was... That was a cool thing for the city of Philadelphia. Drex always has a, a chip on its shoulder, and uh, that was just a cool thing to, to see you guys do. What was that time like for you guys? Uh, it, was, it was amazing. Uh, I mean, a lot of those guys, we all came in together. Um, obviously, I think that was Spiker. When I was a freshman, that was Spiker's second year, so mm -hmm. uh, we were kind of a little bit in the rebuilding process. Mm -hmm. So uh, just to win with those guys that I came in with and knowing – uh, like all the hard work that we put in to try to get that program uh, back to a spot that it hasn't been in a while mm -hmm. and just succeeding that goal, uh, like there was nothing like it. Um, you know, we, we worked so hard every day for two, three years and mm -hmm. didn't see the results that we wanted to. So just to keep sticking with it and uh, to finally succeed was amazing. And these, that's what these guys are chasing for a while. The Temple was a really, really good program. It's been a while since they've gotten to the tournament. 
you have that experience of getting there. I was just talking to Steve about this. He had that experience of getting Howard there for the first time since the, the 90s. Fish has that experience. Michael Huger has that experience. But a lot of guys in this roster in this program don't. And it is not – I think it's one of those things we have to see it to believe it. And it is about the mindset and the approach. How do you even begin to – I know it's where it's October and now we're not in March, but it's a process. How do you even try to – instill that process to say guys it is like the, the the work to get there is more than you could have ever imagined how do they ask you about that and and just the whole process of getting there because ultimately that is what everybody here is chasing yeah i think step one is just is letting them know the hard work that it takes to get there like hard work is the baseline mm-hmm. um every tournament team works hard every tournament team doesn't stop playing they're all like Every single tournament team that you look at plays a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think that kind of letting them know that that's the baseline, that's the admission ticket almost to get to get to the tournament is playing hard on every single possession. Um, and then, you know, there's other things that go into it, uh, executing, uh, being connected, communicating, all that stuff goes into it. But I think for right now, we have to really focus on just playing as hard as we can on mm-hmm. every possession, not taking possessions off. Um, and, you know, that was the biggest thing between the teams I've been on that went to the tournament and the teams I've been on that didn't um, mm-hmm. was just that consistent hard work. Every single day, guys are in the gym, no matter off day, before practice, after practice, guys are in the gym consistently. Um, and every team that I've been on that went to the tournament has had that in common mm-hmm. uh, where guys just they just work. Um, so I think that's that's the baseline. Was it extra meaningful at Drexel and at Penn State? You know, Penn, like I said, at Drexel, it, the Drexel's finally part of the Big Five now. And, you know, and at Penn State, it's the whole, like, oh, they're a football school. They're never going to be as good a basketball school. So in two different places, I would have to imagine, not only did you guys win and feel good about yourselves, but the alumni, it meant, it meant a lot to them. It was, a, it was a, I know you don't have the experience of being at, like, a school that had gone there year after year after year, but it, was it extra meaningful doing it at those two places? Yeah, I think those those two places kind of tell my story as mm-hmm. a person, as a basketball player. Um, just that underdog mentality. Both of those programs are underdogs. Um, obviously, in the city of Philadelphia, Drexel is the underdog school. And then when you go to a, when you go to a school like Penn State, uh, there's a bunch of great Big Ten schools uh, that have a great basketball tradition. And then obviously, it's a football school, so you are the underdog mm-hmm. sport. So I think uh, at both places, I've kind of embraced that feeling of being an underdog and kind of just coming out on top, and uh, it's a great feeling. There's no other feeling like it, uh, making the tournament, winning in the tournament when you're there, and uh, just kind of the respect that everyone has for you after Mm -hmm. that is is great. What's your day-to-day like as a coach? If you had to explain to fans and people who are listening to this, what's your job like? What does it entail? Uh, I mean, every day is a little bit different, which makes what makes it fun for me. Um, I mean, like some days I watch a lot of film, break down uh, the opposing team's defense. So I watch a lot of things that we can do on offense for fish. Uh, I spend a lot of time working out some of the players um, and then kind of just anything else that he needs me to do. So every day is different, but I'm enjoying it. What, how, when you are working guys out, all these guys are different. Some of them are, have been here. Guys like, like Hester Miller and Jaleel White have been there. They were here with Aaron. Again, we talked about a lot of the new guys coming in. And then you got like a true freshman like Zion. When you're working them out, what do you, like if you had to walk people through that process, beyond the obvious stuff, 
Is it like you sit down with the guy and say, here's where I think you are now. Here's where I think you can get to. And they're going to get coaching from a lot of different people. But what are some of the specific things when you're working out with them that you, that you focus on? Do they come to you and say, hey, I, I need this. I woke up this morning thinking about like this is bothering me that I did this in practice the other day and I screwed it up. What is it like when you work them out? Uh, I think kind of what you just said, a lot of guys um, before we work out are like, I think I, I need to get better at this. I want to work on this today. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how you gear the wor- workouts towards is whatever they uh, feel like they need to get better at. But I feel like I'm in an interesting spot, uh, kind of just being young and just playing. Like a lot of them, like I, I have a good relationship with a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to be a different kind of voice to them because they have – coaches like coach Clark and coach Huger mm-hmm. and Bobby and coach fish um, that are different type of coaches, obviously older kind of more wisdom guys. So I kind of just try to be that guy that they can come to talk to about whatever. And then when we work out, uh, you know, it's hard work, but like I, tr- I like to have fun with them mm-hmm. and um, kind of just working towards whatever they need to get better at and just keep stacking days. All right. So a big thanks to Cam winner for joining me uh, for that conversation. Again, you can hear the whole thing. Uh, and the day is ahead at com. So big thank you to him again for talking to me. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed that part of it for the podcast. I'd say we promised to get into football, but that would that would in, that would almost like kind of imply that there was some anticipation there. And I'm <laughs> sure that none of you are really anticipating <laughs> or being in an anticipatory mood about football. Again, Temple last week, a 55 to nothing loss to SMU. Uh, just nothing good at all came out of this. Declan, you got your wish. Forrest Brock played. Yep. Didn't fare too well. I don't. It, it's easy to, you know, kind of knock him. But again, it was it was his first Division One college game. Right. Comes in a, in an unenviable position after Quincy Patterson did not play well at all in the first half. To be clear, the entire team did not play well. At all in the first half. Danny Langsdorf, Temple's offensive coordinator, was coaching from the sideline, which I thought might have given us an indication that he was maybe going to try to play both Quincy and Brock so he could be there and be a little bit more hands-on. But, uh, yeah, just an ugly game all around. Poor defensive effort. They're they're just they're just not competitive at all on offense right. without EJ Warner. Yeah, uh, We could talk big-picture view of this game, but, again, it's, we're not going to go on and on about football. We'll have more next week. There was no media availability this week during the bye. We'll know more about EJ Warner's status officially on Monday. I mean, I'd be mildly surprised if he doesn't play next Saturday against Navy. I think Kyle alluded to this on the pod last week. I think it made more sense to look, you, you want him to be healthy, but if he was still not truly out of protocol and you had concerns about him on a short week. Well, that and like just the wear and tear on his body, I'm yeah. sure by now with all the hits he's taken, like. Mm-hmm. It was probably just nice to have that extra week, even if he was ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. So we did have a story up about the the visitors they had at the SMU game, in case you missed that. Um, Zach Silverstein has a story up on the website right now about one of those visitors, one of the players from the 2025 class, local guy, Daniel Adafalarin from Newman Garetti. Zach talked to him about his recruitment, about Temple, about a Temple offer. So you want to check that out. If you're an Scoop subscriber, you get access to those to the stories, our one-on-one interviews with recruits. Again, we'll have more for you next week. We'll we'll do more to, to preview Navy. They're also on a bye this week. They're coming off a 17 to 6 loss to Air Force. So and again, we've got some football. There, there's a mailbag question here that can we we can dive right into that's about football. So 
Uh, we'll talk a little football in the mailbag as well. But again, we'll talk more about previewing that game. Do you have any sage thoughts about about that the, game last week? No, I mean I slept through it. You know, and oh, that's right. You didn't go. You were you were resting for your trip to go down to Georgia Tech for the weekend. That's, that's right. Correct. You weren't even yes. covering the game. So and uh, I rolled over to check my phone. And I saw that our, our Alice group group chat was blowing up. And it was way too many messages to read at that point. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, okay, I wonder if something happened in the game. You know, maybe maybe something's happening. And uh, go to my ESPN app, check the Phillies score. And then I, I check that. And Phillies RIP. Yeah, that was, that was rough too. I didn't even get to see the close, but um, I, I'd fallen back asleep at that point. But, um, yeah, it, it was like 45-0. And I mm-hmm. said, oh. That's not fun for those guys. And then I turned my phone off, went back to bed. So Yeah, you're better off. Better off. But again... I watched the game, but I didn't... Not at that moment. Yeah, I mean, again, Temple's got a chance to come back. And again, any idiot could say they're much more competitive. If E.J. Warner is back under center at quarterback game, we will have an official update for you on Monday when Stan Drayton talks to reporters again. We'll have Stan on Monday. Players next Tuesday. But again, no media access this week. During the bye. But again, we'll see. I mean, Navy has done something that Temple hasn't done. They beat North Texas. They've been a little up and down. But again, more football next week in terms of really breaking things down. But we'll, we'll dive into the mailbag here. There's Beckham's song. You love this. I love this song. I think it's awesome. What did I say? It sounds like a bad combination of Blink-182 and Jimmy Eat World. I thought you said Smashing Pumpkins at one point as well. No, I would never... I mean, I love our time together. I, I love this podcast, but I don't think this sounds like Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, it sounds more like whiny '90s rock. I just thought that's what you said. No, it's not what I said. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe I am on the record saying Smashing Pumpkins, but I don't think so. Yeah, couldn't tell you. Couldn't. Tell anyway, you. good talk. Yeah, sorry, I was anyway. <laughs> focused on making a solid, you know, fade out. Solid there. fade out. Yeah, because you're a good engineer. Hey, th- I appreciate producer. that. Thank you. Uh, the first uh, the first mailbag question here is football-related, so it turns out we're not done talking about football, but uh, Diamond and Broad from the com football message board. We thank him for being a subscriber. His question is, and it's a, a two-parter, the first part is, I think for the football program to be successful, it needs to truly be a developmental program. That being said, is it fair to say Stan Drayton and company have failed at identifying talent, for example, recruiting, and in turn have not developed young players in the day of NIL isn't that, in fact, Stan and Company's biggest problem? You're not going to like this answer because it's it's more measured and less hot takey, but they're a little bit more than halfway through their second season. Yeah, uh, I don't want to say it's way too early to say whether or not certain guys are hits and misses with recruiting, but it depends on the position you're talking about. I mean, you, you have to give them credit for recruiting and developing EJ e. Warner, now, with EJ, I mean, he had other offers from Colorado State, UConn, and then Kauai. Yes, he had the name recognition, but a lot of other programs out there thought he was too short to play at this level. Um, Temple had nothing to lose in taking him, but they have recruited and developed him. And we've seen that, you know, obviously he still has growth ahead of him, but he's you, you're getting about everything you could hope to get out of him. You have to give them credit for EJ Warner. You look at the offensive line. I mean, Luke Watson is still young, but he's playing. Kevin Terry is young, but he's playing. You have two true freshmen there. Conlon Green is young, but he's playing as a true freshman. They have not been afraid to play young guys that they think are ready, and then they haven't been afraid to bring guys along slowly 
who aren't like a like a Kyle Williams. And again, that's totally normal for for true freshmen. So I don't know. I think it's too early to say that they have failed at identifying talent. Like even in the in the transfer portal, Taiwan Francis, you know, guys like that. I mean, they have uh, at times going to the portal to get people who can make an impact. Dante Wright, again, I know he's not putting up huge numbers. Any wide receiver's numbers have suffered yeah. over the past couple of weeks with EJ Warner out. Um, now, again, there are like you look at like a Chris Smith um, or a Diego Barajas, Juco guys that they were hoping to come in and make an effort right away in the offensive line, and they haven't for whatever reason. So, yeah, you have examples of that, of players that haven't turned the corner out of the Juco level that, that – they were, I'm sure, hoping for. Any help they could get on the offensive line would be good. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I think at best you give them an incomplete there. I know Diamond and Broad wasn't asking for a grade necessarily, but I I don't think it's fair to say that they failed at it Yeah, I just think it's too soon to make that determination. I don't know if you have any, any thoughts on this. Yeah, and I also think, like, you know, I'm not giving this as an excuse because it's not. Like, it's football. Things happen. But there have been a lot of injuries on this team this year yeah. to the point where, you know, guys that you mentioned, guys that aren't ready, that aren't playing, guys that maybe aren't as ready as they could be are playing now, mm-hmm. especially on that D-line. Like, mm-hmm. um, and that trickles down to the into the rest of the defense as well. So I think, you know, there are a lot of factors into why the talent hasn't really shaped up to be what we thought it would be on paper. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's necessarily fair to say that they're not finding talent because they are. They, There are some good players on this roster. It's just a matter of they haven't been able to put it together. So Yeah, and I get it. I mean, look, no, nobody, no fan out there is going to feel good about this program right now, especially with, you know, they're, they're two and six. They have gotten blown out. I mean, it's now... It's now one, two, three, four, five weeks in a row of giving up 40-plus points. They were not competitive at all against SMU. They weren't competitive against North Texas. They were against UTSA. They were against Tulsa before you know, Tulsa really pulled away. But I get it. People are ticked off. But even like, you make a good point. If you want to include, if you're talking about recruiting, you do need to include the portal because you have just as many fans out there saying they, they're not going to get as many true high school guys they need to recruit the portal well kj miles hasn't played a game yet i would venture to guess that kj miles is probably going to be a fairly significant contributor for them out of georgia tech we were starting to see that alan hay yes i think if 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 you know if the, the line was fully healthy and they had their chance to rotate everybody in maybe alan hay isn't seeing as many snaps but you were really starting to see him turn the corner he had a sack in the tulsa game then he gets hurt he's out for the rest of the year so They've had some bad luck there. So, you know, as of now, I think, you know, getting a guy like KJ Miles, again, I know he hasn't played a snap, getting a guy like Alan Hay, they look smart for recruiting those guys. So to say that they've really failed again, I think it's a little premature. I think we can answer that question in a little bit more depth next year. Again, I know the last thing people want to hear is, well, let's wait and see because they see what's in front of them. They see a two and six football team that's been thoroughly dominated over the last few weeks. I get it, but um, that's the. You know, I think that's our best assessment of it at this point. Um, his second part of his question concerning NIL, name, image, and likeness. If Temple continues to fail at embracing NIL, how long until the football program is beyond repair? I mean, I don't expect Temple, I can only go on what I see. I don't expect Temple to have a collective or 
NIL efforts that are going to give Stan Drayton the resources that a James Franklin or a Jimbo Fisher, no matter how much he's under fire at Texas A&M, I'm just thinking like the big money programs, Nick Saban, like nothing in that realm. But yeah, I think if you, if if they don't have the NIL resources of like some of their newer conference competitors, like UTSA, Charlotte, you know, I, programs like that, then yeah, I think they're going to become a glorified junior college program because if they're recruiting high school players, anybody who is worth developing as a diamond in the rough might eventually leave and get plucked by a bigger program. So yeah, I think if you really have to bench the mark them against their their conference foes. So um, yeah, again, I'm not expecting them to go from zero to 60 with an AL in terms of football. But yeah, it's not going to get any better if 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 advancements aren't made there um the third question actually i forgot you uh third question here in your opinion why are temple nfl alums less inclined to get back i don't know if he's referring to um the interaction we saw on twitter between you know brandon mcmanus saying what happened to temple football the tough on social media account replies and says hey brandon we'd love to engage you you know no student athletes have i think one student athlete but nobody from football and I think Brandon said something to the effect of like, I'll have those conversations with the right people at the right time. And I know people were talking about that. Why are Temple alums, uh, Temple NFL alums, why are they less inclined to give back? I mean, those, you know, those decisions, those jobs are, are, are not part of my purview. I mean, that my short answer to that would be to say, because that relationship wasn't really cultivated as well as it should have been in the past. So if, you know, if Deion Dawkins and, and Brandon McManus and Tyler Matikavich. And again, I don't know for sure if they are donating or not, or if they, even if it's not the NIL, it's a systemic thing that's been at play for a while. And it's not something that, that is probably going to get fixed tomorrow, but I really think it's that. It, this is something that has been building up over years and years and years and years and years of not really engaging a lot of these former players. So that is what people in those current roles are, are dealing with now. I think it's really a, a systemic thing to, to answer that question. Next mailback question from GHG722, more of a sarcastic one. Why do we do this to ourselves? Yeah, that's a football-related question. It's because you care, GHG722. Yes. You keep coming back because you care. You know, every every team has its ups and downs, you know. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you're still going to love your team, and that's a beautiful thing. That was beautiful. Thanks, man. I wish I could work up a fake tear, but I, I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, it's the thought that counts. Yeah, I just think like, you know, it is. It's it's passion. It's football. We cool. all love it. Well, I will say, JHG seven twenty two. He's been a long time Alscoop subscriber and a long time Temple fan. So, um, yeah, I know he was being more sarcastic with that question, but wanted to acknowledge it. Next question here. Um, these are these next two last two here from Twitter. Off the hook three is the Twitter handle. Off the hook three. You do have. Hate to say this in public form, you do have a typo in the in the name of your Twitter account. You have Temple Tough dash Temple Fan and they transfer portal. You need an S in there. So you can thank me later for that. Anyway. That that was just wild. <laughs> <laughs> um is, is that does that deserve a rim shot there? That's more of like that wasn't really like punny. Is that what you want? You love, you're addicted to these sound effects. I love it so much. I love it so much. You do. I can tell. Now you're laughing. Now you're cracking yourself up. You're like a kid at a sleepover who can't fall asleep. Anyway, question there from Off the Hook 3. Are you surprised Stan Drayton hasn't made any staff changes? This is a two-parter. 
No, uh, I like. No, I'm not. It's they're a two and six football team again. I get it. I get it. I get it. Fans are ticked. They have every right to be. It's not a good product that they're seeing right now. But I don't think Stan Drayton is going to make any staff changes midseason. I just don't. You'd almost make it worse. I feel like in my mind. Yeah, trying to change I mean, like mid-season. if if you're you know if you're throwing your venom at the defense and Stan Drayton says, okay, I'm going to fire Everett Weathers. Well. I get it. The defense could be playing a lot better. Stan's not going to fire a guy that helped them build his first staff. And more importantly, like you said, it could make it worse. Like, sure, you could probably elevate a guy like Chris Woods, linebacker's coach who has who has some experience there. But I think you'd see staff changes more out of a team that came into the season with high hopes and they're underachieving. And, you know, like, I don't know if, like, I could see it more out of a guy like James Franklin where he's facing a lot. Of, I'm, again, I don't cover Penn State. I'm not saying this is going to happen. But maybe a guy like him in his position where he's facing a lot of heat and he says, I got to make a change at the offensive coordinator, defense coordinator position. I, I, no, I'm not surprised at all. Again, off the hook three, not expecting you to be happy with the product on the field. But no, not surprised at all. I just don't think they're in that position. Now, could there and will there be staff changes after the season? Yeah. Will there guys leave? Uh, you know, of their own will or they get replaced but no I wouldn't expect to see it now question number two out of off the hook three who would you like the American Athletic Conference to add as a basketball slash Olympic sports school I mean I think VCU would be great yep. but I think VCU I think somebody said there was something out there on Twitter but it's it's not reputable I think that VCU could probably wait for the dominoes to continue to fall in their favor but I think you know Someone like VCU, it makes would, sense. Would 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 be a good ad. I'm not saying yeah. it's going to happen, but sure, it would, it would it would certainly help. I mean, they've been good for basketball. They were a tournament program last year, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the one that makes sense. Not sure if it'll happen. Uh, you got tagged in this one by your buddy Pro Better Four on Twitter. Thoughts on Zion um, Zion Stanford starting as a freshman. And chances EJ Warner comes back next season. Zion Stanford starting as a freshman. Don't know if that'll happen. I don't know if I mentioned if we were going through early starting lineups and I thought maybe there's a chance he would start. Adam Fisher was asked about, or at least he talked about starting lineups today. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think he somebody asked him about if it was locked in or not. Yeah, and I, I don't think anything's locked in. I mean, um, I don't know that he'll start as a freshman. I think he'll see a lot of minutes. As a freshman, I think they liked him enough. And again, we got what maybe ten minutes with Fish today, if that. Yeah, a little, um, a little over. It was like thirteen. Yeah, or and I have asked him about Zion. I mean, I know he likes him. I don't know if he'll start, but I think he'll have. I think he will have a role. Um, I could see why maybe people would want him to start because he's strong and he's got good size and good length. He's in that six five, six six neighborhood. Um, I think you're looking more at Isaiah Miller, Jaleel White. Steve Saddle. I, I think you could make a case for Matteo Piccarelli starting. Um, maybe Jordan Riley. Somewhat, yeah, like something like that. I don't know yeah. that Zion will start, but again, I think he'll play. Yeah. I almost like him coming off the bench, at least to start the year. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of get his feet wet. But mm-hmm. I also think he could be somebody that by the end of the season is, is in that like sixth man type role where... He's playing prominently down the stretch in a game and mm-hmm. is getting buckets. But, you know, as a freshman, that's a huge ask, especially with how much, like, veteran sort of depth, like people that have experience at the collegiate level already. You know, I feel like it would be a big ask for him to come in and start, you know, game one, game two 
but well, he's also coming into a lot. I mean, a lot. All these guys are still very much getting used to playing with oh, yeah. each other, and that's well, kind of how basketball, college basketball, is now. A lot of guys are just, you know, reloading and revamping their rosters through the through the transfer portal. So that's nothing new. But yeah, I would think he's coming off the bench to start the season. But we'll see. Uh, second part of his question: Chances DJ Warner comes back next season. I have nothing credible from people I've talked to that would say that he is not coming back next season. Now, in the you know, EJ Warner could leave and play immediately somewhere else next year uh, through the transfer portal. So uh, nothing surprises me anymore. And I get it. I get the general fan sentiment. People were, were afraid of losing him last year, and he oh, decided yeah. to come back. Oh, yeah. Um, again, I've heard, all I can tell you pro better for is that I have not heard anything credible that would say that he's... He's not coming back. I think if I think he has a pretty good relationship with Danny Langsdorf. I think if Danny Langsdorf were to go to a program and a Power Five conference, then I would keep my eye on that. You know, because he has a relationship. He coached he coached DJ's brother. That I think that would be something to keep an eye on. I think you, if you're a Temple fan and you want EJ Warner to stay at Temple, you should hope that Danny Langsdorf is going to stay at Temple. And again, yeah, I'm not trying to put this pedestal. I'm not trying to excuse me. I'm not trying to put Temple's offense on a pedestal. The whole thing, te- offense, defense, and special teams, it all needs work. But Danny's a veteran coach. Not to say that Everett isn't, but I think more often than not, even if it hasn't always produced wins, I think Danny Langsdorf has had more good weeks than bad weeks of, of coaching. And I, I think, unless I'm missing something, I think he has a pretty solid relationship with EJ. So I think if Danny comes back, I think EJ comes back. But Sure, I would imagine that temptation is always there. If there's a Power 5 program out there with a better offensive line and EJ huddles up with his father and says, maybe I could prove myself at this program. Again, nothing surprises me, but all I can tell you is that I haven't heard anything to the contrary or anything that would indicate that he's not coming back. But again, I know it sounds cliche as hell, but this is a week-by-week thing. We'll Well, see. yeah. Yeah, there's very few people on this earth right now that know what EJ Warner is going to do next year. And that might not even include EJ Warner. Yeah. Like there, there still is a lot left in the season, even if, you know, they're not competing for like a title or anything. Mm-hmm. Like there's still a lot that could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's pretty well documented that Langsdorf is one of, if not the reason that Warner is even at Temple mm-hmm. in the first place, like you said. Yeah. So uh, there's, there's so many different variables, you know, there's, Obviously, there's some quarterbacks behind him, you know, Tyler Douglas, namely, and ah, it's just it, it'll be it'll be interesting. I know they're mm-hmm. recruiting some quarterbacks as well. Who even who even knows? You well, know? I mean, I don't. Well, Tyler Douglas again, he's had an opportunity to play, but I think he's a step behind. Yeah, yeah, you know, a, a step behind. Um, but who knows what they're thinking? Who knows if they're thinking? You know, he could be the guy after Warner. Maybe like I'm just this is purely speculatory. You yeah, know? I mean, again, Forrest Brock played after Quincy Patterson played. But, I, and again, just I'm explaining this to fans just so they hear it. I, I'm not the type of reporter that's going to, I think it would be kind of foolish. Again, like pro better, uh, pro better Forrest and asking me to do this. But, you know, I'm not going to next week after the Navy game say to EJ, by the way, you come back next year. Like, it's just in the era of the transfer portal, I don't know that you. If a guy puts something on social media and he puts something out there to drop a hint to it, sure, you ask about it, but I'm not going to ask him that. I think that's a conversation that you have with a player as a reporter after the season is over. But again, I haven't heard anything, just to circle back this, that would indicate that he's not coming back. But off-seasons are super eventful now with the portal, with coaches coming and going. So 
We shall see. Anyway. Are you the type of reporter that uh, would put your career on the line if he transfers or not? Like, say you'll retire and then immediately backtrack on it? Oh, like like Mad Dog? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but he's not retiring. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I mean, who would really? (laughs) Who would really care? I had to ask. I had to ask. Yeah. I will retire if EJ Warner's not back next year, <laughs> man. I gotta keep working. That makes waves, man. <laughs> My 401k is not at that, <laughs> that type of level. I'm just being honest with you. you. Gotta keep working, buddy. You gotta keep working. Hey, who are you tell? I love my love my job. Absolutely. Not ready to retire. Not ready to make any bold claims like that. <laughs> what's the like? What's the level where you could see yourself making a claim like that and being comfortable? Like, how many are we looking at a window here? You know, what are we what are we thinking? Where the the hot take meter is starting to rise. I don't. Know. I need a week to think about that. I like. I don't <laughs> you need I'm a just week. So, I'm just so. I'm just so over the hot takes right now. And again, it's what people do in sports talk radio. But there have just been so many, so many of them this week. There are uh, quite again, a few. Everybody's, uh, myself included, disappointed that the Phillies blew that series. But I, I don't know. I, I'll have to, give me a week to think about that one. And okay. Then by next week, we'll you heard it here first, it. everybody. Circle back. We'll hold John accountable together as a unit, as an Owl Scoop family. As a unit. <laughs> what would what sort of claim would I would I be comfortable making to say I will retire? Yes. And like happens? what's the what's the window to where you start making hot takes just daily? No, I'm just, I don't have a problem with a hot take every once in a while, but it's gotta be funny. It's gotta be a little <laughs> off topic. Right. I don't know. Right. Anyway. Right. Well, that'll do it for this week. Thanks for sticking with us for another episode. Thanks to Cam Winter for all the time that he spent with me uh, talking down at the Owls facility, at the Pearson McGonagall Hall facility. Thanks to all of you again for listening to The Scoop. Thanks to our sponsor, Greenspan and Greenspan Injury Lawyers. We'll have more for you next week, more basketball, more football to get to. We'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.